0: Hey everybody, I'm Tim Muma, and you've ordered up Scrambled Eggs today on localjobnetwork.com radio. Scrambled Eggs is more of a laid-back, entertaining approach to the employment realm giving us a chance to pick the brains of a variety of successful people in just about any industry. Our guest today has had a terrific run in the radio business. He is Craig Karmazin, president and CEO of Good Karma Broadcasting, which started out in small Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, back in 97, but has expanded into a handful of markets in Wisconsin, Ohio, and Florida, delivering sports radio to the masses, as we like to say. Craig, thanks a lot for coming in today. I appreciate you having me. I guess, first of all, if you could give people an idea of how you would describe Good Karma Broadcasting, sort of the things that your company does, as well as your role in in a number of different areas.
1: Well, I think our company was founded based on our passion for sports and sports radio. And it was a... uh, October evening in Madison, Wisconsin, where a bunch of college friends uh-huh. had assembled, and <laughs> you know, someone at one in the morning throws out the dumb idea of, hey, maybe we should start a, a radio company here in Madison. That'd be a great way to start. And I, I think for us to take that vision from a uh, October night in Madison, and uh, you know, uh, less than a a year later have a contract signed uh, August 20th, 1997 to launch mm-hmm. Good Karma Broadcasting was just so exciting because it really showed me that whatever you want to do can be possible if you have the right resources and set your mind to it. And What we've uh, really evolved into is a sports marketing solutions company that is able to provide solutions for our marketing partners and provide great content to fans uh, regardless of what media they may be uh, experience our programming in. And, you know, as we've evolved from there, uh, we've really truly understood, you know, that we are passionate about uh, over-delivering for marketing partners mm-hmm. and creating great content for fans.
0: When you were in college, I mean, you were studying business, correct? I mean, that was the idea overall, but was it, in your mind that this is what you're going to set out to do to own radio stations or have some hand in radio like this?
1: I think our the vision I had was to get through school and then find a job. <laughs> and Like uh, a lot of people out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think I always was turned off by being in a business school because sales was a dirty word. Mm. And my vision was I'm going to get out of school, get a sales job and that's how i'm going to grow into my career okay because my sense was if you're a doctor and you get to the top of your field you're a lawyer at some point sales is going to be important and right. you know the the partners of the law firms you know are, are the best ones are the ones who understand sales and mm. can bring in new business so for me i always thought i would be selling something at the point when I realized I wasn't going to be a radio superstar when uh, I was 20 and I still sounded like I was 12. I knew that wasn't happening. So I think the vision always was some kind of sales position. And uh, I was lucky enough that the uh, situation came together where I was able to start the company right out of college.
0: So what was it exactly that did you know convince you, inspire you to, to take that step? Because obviously that's a, a big step to take, especially when you're talking about some of the, the financial aspects of it and um, just the, the chance essentially that it's
1: obviously not going to work. What led you to that? What made you say, yes, this is the way we should go? I don't even think I've ever considered anything that we would do wouldn't work. Uh, I I go through a lot of scenarios in my mind, but when it's something that I'm committed to, I don't really weigh that angle of what if it doesn't work. It, It might be if we have these hiccups or if we have these challenges, where will we eventually get? But the concept of it not working wasn't there. I mean, my belief was, there's a lot of people who like sports. It was 1996. The Packers were winning a Super Bowl. The Badgers were unbelievable. The idea of starting a sports radio station in Madison, Wisconsin, and buying an FM radio station, and no one had really in the country had done sports on FM at the time. Mm-hmm. But we thought, you know, why not? You know, people uh, people listen to the radio. People love sports in this market. Why can't it be successful? And we would be committed to making it successful. So. At that time, it was the least risky time in the world to do it. Sure, yeah. the challenge is always, you know, getting financing and being able to do it. Right, but in your twenties, to be able to try something creative and entrepreneurial was very exciting and an easy time to do it compared to when most people actually have that decision to make.
0: I I like the point that you bring up being an easy time, so to speak, especially you you mentioned the Packers and Badgers and just the the culture in Wisconsin obviously lends itself to that being successful. In general, then with the success you've had, and as you've obviously moved forward with everything, what's been sort of your general philosophy, your take on business and what it takes to succeed, uh, and just maybe the different aspects that you've explored and even failed in, as you said, in some instances?
1: Yeah, I don't. I think we have some very simple things that we do. And when it comes to philosophies, we believe in being really honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, most things that you would look for in a person is what we look for in teammates uh, within our organization. And the way we treat our partners or our fans are the way you would want to be treated. So, I don't think there's any sort of special sauce. I think it is uh, people who work really hard and are willing to follow through on what they do and are willing to listen to what's going on out there in the market. I think we have never been the biggest company, and we're you know every day we're smaller and smaller <laughs> compared to the other companies in the industries that we're in. So we have no excuse to not listen. Mm -hmm. And with the technology today and social media and the amount of accessibility people have to us, it's just so easy to listen and and then meet the needs of uh, whoever uh, we're potentially doing business with.
0: Is that something that changed at all? Or or, I mean, have you always sort of had that own personal philosophy, even going through business school, that sort of thing, Were these philosophies already sort of in your mind? Has this altered a little bit and changed because of when you're actually in it and you mentioned being small or that sort of thing? When did that maybe all come together in your mind?
1: Business school to me was a joke. Uh, I I don't think I learned anything there Um, in in terms of X's and O's or anything (laughs) like that. I, I think it's... You, you meet interesting people and you have different experiences that, that go along the way. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't, certainly didn't learn a business philosophy there. I think you learn that from your parents, you learn that from you know, family, you learn that from survival. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, a lot of what we did uh, came from the fact that we ended up starting our company, as you mentioned, in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Right. And we knew in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, if our marketing partners weren't successful, that we couldn't just find the next guy down the road. There weren't more people, you know, this was a small market. Right, we had right. to you know, do every single thing we could to make these partners successful, including if we were spending a penny of our own money, mm-hmm. we better be spending it with those people who are investing in us. Sure. So for us really to be able to start in a market like Beaver Dam and learn that grassroots business there that was way more than any business school could have ever taught us because then, as we grew into markets like West Palm Beach, Florida, or Cleveland, Ohio, or Milwaukee, Wisconsin, we actually just treated people the way we did in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, and people were stunned. <laughs> you know, they, they couldn't believe the way we were treating them, but that's all we knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was our master's program. You know, that was, that was my MBA, uh, what was, was really learning what it truly meant to run a main street business in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin.
0: That's interesting because you you know you hear all these things, especially for job seekers, or even if you're in sales, that sort of thing, standing out and you guys are kind of standing out in a different way in that you weren't uh, necessarily in people's faces, but you were you're kind of taking that small town approach, so to speak. And I think that does probably stand out to a lot of people as you, as you kind of mentioned there.
1: Yeah, and our goal isn't to work with the most people. Mm-hmm. Our goal is always to establish deep, meaningful relationships because we feel that's how we can help people the most. Right. You
0: know, you did mention learning a lot more things from, you know, maybe being in the business and family. And um, obviously, for those who don't know your father, uh, Mel Carmazan CEO of Sirius SiriusXM, um, you know, from everything I've seen, he's played no part in terms of management and financial, that sort of thing. But uh, what is it like having, having someone like that just to be able to maybe bounce an idea off of and in terms of, you know, just little tips here or there, or maybe you bounce them off and he says, you know, don't go this route, go this route. I mean, what, what's kind of that relationship like for you?
1: I mean, it's impossible to estimate what that is worth. I mean, to have a dad who is so caring and giving of his time, his insight, his, mm-hmm. you know, thoughts and doesn't uh, volunteer them without me asking, but he's incredible. He's brilliant. He's so good at what he does and he takes my call whenever i call him (laughs) so it, it is it is absolutely amazing and it doesn't mean that I'm always very good at listening to him, <laughs> but it, it is a, an amazing, amazing uh, resource to have. And to see someone uh, like him evolve through his career and and do so many things ahead of the curve mm-hmm. and unique and approach things in such a groundbreaking way has been such an amazing role model uh, for me to have.
0: Now, from what I've seen, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, he actually suggested you not get into the radio business. Is that True.
1: Well, he specifically didn't think that starting and doing small market radio made sense. Okay. You know, he was very, very opposed to the way we launched our company, which was buying radio stations hmm. in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. He did not think it was a good decision. So you didn't listen to him in that inter- in that in that way. Guys. No, I, I, <laughs> and I've never claimed to be good at listening to him. I've only claimed that he's a great uh, resource to have. Right.
0: Now, specifically with you know, as we mentioned, it had the sports angle, obviously, and the benefit with the Packers and Badgers in, in Wisconsin. Obviously, many Americans just passionate about sports, whether it be a number of them or one particular sport. What is it? Do you see from a business aspect that makes sports in general just such a, a I mean, huge success really across the board?
1: Well, that's what we found after about five years. You know, we got into the radio business originally in 1997. In 2002 we determined we were done being in the radio business. We just weren't interested in radio anymore. We were I was 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I saw technology coming. I saw the internet. I saw satellite. I saw these things coming. I said, said, you know, I don't necessarily want to be in the radio business anymore, but I believed in the sports radio business and okay. sports marketing right. because sports, first of all, you want to experience it live. So from a TV standpoint, DVRs and all those things right. aren't going to impact sports. And then – You think about sports radio or podcasts or whatever they are, you know, that doctor who's doing surgery who makes a million dollars a year, when he's done with his surgery, he gets in the car and he wants to call our afternoon guy to (laughs) scream and yell about, you know, why a linebacker wasn't picked in the second round of the draft. I mean, sports allows you to connect to such a desirable demographic of advertiser Mm -hmm. that what we found is there is nothing – you know, be it classical music, be it um, public radio, whatever it is, nothing reaches more people with money than sports. And even better, people are so engaged in what's going on with it, Mm -hmm. and they're so used to having advertising messages as part of sports that they're willing to accept advertising as part of uh, the content that they're hearing. And they're willing to support those advertisers. So the idea of getting 45 minutes alone every morning with Mike and Mike or, you know, whoever our afternoon guy is in a market, you know, these are people that, you know, CEOs can't get 45 minutes alone with these guys. Right. And all of a sudden our hosts and our talent are able to spend 45 and our advertisers Mm. are able to spend 45 minutes uninterrupted with these people on their morning or afternoon commute.
0: And that's one thing, you know, I'm a huge sports fan and, you know, some people find it interesting that people get so into it, so worked up. But You know, I, I just read a statistic where 90% of – All Americans either play a sport, watch it, read about it. I mean, it just touches on so many people, as you mentioned. On with that said, is there any concern as far as the sports radio aspect because of all the information out there? And it's you know, it's on our phones. It's twenty-four hour cycles. Is that ever concern you with that sort of aspect?
1: No, I think it just makes it better. I mean, the fans are so much more educated than they used to be, and the quality of what you need to deliver in all of these mediums have to be so much better. Mm. When sports radio started 25 years ago, you can get on the air and read a box score. <laughs> and now, you know, uh, on your phone, you have that before the game's even over. Mm. So the quality of entertainment that has to be delivered just continues to raise, uh, you know, the bar continues to be raised. And that just creates opportunities for companies who feel that they do that really well.
0: Obviously, you've been able to incorporate your passion for sports with what you're doing now. But what exactly was your so-called dream job when you were growing up?
1: I, I think my dream job was to either be the Yankees second baseman or the Knicks point guard. Um, if I, if I couldn't do that, it it might have been to uh, at one point to own the baseball card store, so I could uh, okay. just collect baseball cards all day. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the the thing always was to be that. Sports radio to be involved on the air mm-hmm. uh, in sports radio in some way, whether it was as a play-by-play host. And I have tapes from when I was seven years old of uh, recording my voice uh, to a NBA game or to a Major League Baseball nice. game. You didn't bring those in for us, no. Uh, but you wouldn't be able to tell my voice hasn't changed in, <laughs> in that time, you know. Or sitting in the back of the carpool and making my parents be the callers to my sports radio show. Oh wow! That, that I was doing uh, <laughs> with with my friends.
0: With that, I mean, obviously because you found a way to, to work that in. Does that make things easier? We, we talk with different people and there's for a long time been that follow your passion mantra. And we've spoken with some people with more new age approaches of find something you're good at and you'll, you'll learn that passion. I guess, what's your take in terms of those different sides of the coin?
1: I, I would not say exclusively follow your passion mm-hmm. because I don't think that's why we've had the success that our company's had. I think we've had it because of the people. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, It's choosing to be around people that you want to spend time around and being somewhere where you're able to share a vision together. I think that's the most important thing to me. And we could be doing, um, you know, we have a company now that we are uh, selling cell phones and tablets and things like that. And I am as passionate about that as I am about the sports marketing side of what we do. So to me, I think it has so much more to do with the people, the vision, and the mission that you're achieving together. And proving that you're uh, experienced in the radio world, a segue into
0: that idea of working with people that you you know, want to be around and, and work with. From what I've seen, four of the five minority owners are childhood friends of some sort. I don't know if that number's changed at all, but I guess how... Why did that work out so well in terms of still having those friendships and then turning into also a business partnership?
1: Yeah. The, the newest person who we've met, uh, who is part of that group was uh, you know, was someone we met you know, over 15 years ago okay. in college. And you know, I wanted people who were going to be long-term committed, long-term passionate, and who I could trust. You know? And the idea of how bad it is When it's bad, you know, (laughs) that you can get past because of how good it is when it's good, which is so much more fun. And I think everyone knows how fun it is to win with a team you like being around and when you can be with people not only that you like, but that you love. I mean, that that takes it to a whole nother level. Now, did you ever see it as a potential issue
0: or maybe, you know, for the budding entrepreneur out there? in terms of hiring family or friends, are there some cons to it or, or things maybe that you discuss with people in terms of having that you have that maybe tighter relationship and where it could maybe cause issues in other areas?
1: Yeah, I would stay away from it. Would you overall? I mean I wouldn't, but I, I would for other people. <laughs> if you're talking to other people, sure. Yeah, I, I I think for other people, you know, the you know, the potential downside risks may mm-hmm. not be worth it. For me, I had a commitment level to what I was doing and I knew I had a group of people that could share that commitment level. Mm -hmm. I think if you're going to play it by the numbers, I would stay away from it completely.
0: And that's the important thing we always tell people when we're doing these shows is obviously you're speaking to your experiences and we're kind of talking in generalities and you have to figure that out for yourself, who's going to work and, and what doesn't work. If we circle back then to that idea of management personnel or the people that you're going to work with, are there certain traits or types of people that specifically when you're looking at management or minority owners, that kind of thing, are there particular traits that you really focus on and think are essential for those types of people?
1: Yeah, I I think it is the the qualities we look for in a manager are the same qualities we look for in an intern. And the majority of our larger roles that are being created in the company are filled by former interns. Really? Yeah, because, you know, what we're looking for is someone who is honest, you know, can (laughs) work hard, can follow through, can listen, and will over deliver. And within that, you can have someone who is an aggressive, you know, type A, type B, is a talker, is a follower, is a leader, you know, there's room for all of those. Mm-hmm. We just need to know that we trust the values of the people, that we want them to be around, that they want to be around, and that they get what we're doing. I mean, there, there's not a specific person. You know, there's the person who, uh, who played high school sports and the person who announced high school sports, and there's the people who played college sports and the people who never would want to sit through a, a sporting event, and they can all be successful. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't have a magic equation. I think the thing we do know... Is that the better we know someone, the more likely we are to make a good decision of if they're the right fit for us. Mm -hmm. And the better someone knows us, the better they can make a decision if a career with us is the right angle.
0: Is that a big reason then why you talk about the interns that I mean they almost graduated into those positions I mean is that just a a big comfort thing because you you know them you they understand you you understand the way they work is that a, a big part of what you do
1: oh yeah i'm I'm not smart like I can't I can't sit next to someone for a half hour like we're sitting together today <laughs> and say oh yeah this what what a great guy yeah this guy's gonna be killer you know we I want a body of work you know yeah. I, I don't want to marry someone without <laughs> you know without getting to know them for a while so yeah absolutely. I mean, we want to know what people are like when the light is not shining on them, because, Mm. you know, that is the true definition of what you're going to be and what your character is going to be is, how are you when you don't think anyone's watching? And that's the kind of thing you get to experience over the course of an internship. That's the kind of thing we see during our training programs. And, you know, every single person, you know, in our newest business, uh, our wireless business, every single person has a veto on, every single person that comes into the company. Okay. So if one person doesn't think that person's a right fit, right. then they're just not going to be part of our team. Hmm. That's interesting. I have honestly have not heard that. I mean, I've heard that maybe
0: a little bit in uh, teaching circles where you have different teachers kind of give the yay or nay. So that's interesting to have that angle on it. We talk about the radio side and when you're looking at personalities or what you're going to put on the air, what you're comfortable with, is that philosophy different in terms of what you're looking for? I mean, Are you interested in diverse individuals or are you looking for a certain template, so to speak? And what's kind of your idea with those on-air personalities?
1: Every market is different and, you know, it's going to be important to reflect the community that Mm -hmm. you're in. You know, in a market like Milwaukee, Wisconsin, there's people who are deeply ingrained in the community. The majority of our hosts have been in the market at least for 20 years. In a market like West Palm Beach, Florida, having that heritage might not be as important. But I think... The common things we look for are more the -the off-the-air personality traits, and those tend to be very similar to the intern, the manager, all that. So your
0: focus is more on, I mean, really more off-the-air, and you figure their personality, one way or the other, is going to translate well to what they're doing on the air?
1: There's a lot of people who can be on the air, right. and we're gonna choose the people who will represent our marketing partners and our fans the right way mm-hmm. off the air. Okay.
0: When you talk about success and failure, and obviously you've mentioned a little bit on the ways you've expanded and, and looked to just outside just the media kind of idea, how do you gauge success and failure? Obviously, with media, you talk about ratings and whatnot. But do you have different benchmarks? Do you have different ways of of assessing people's success or your company's success?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we absolutely do. I mean, we've never we've never separated from a, a teammate for them not having high enough ratings mm-hmm. or them even not having high enough sales numbers. Okay, you know, we have our own metrics that we measure people on. And you know, we really do measure people based on our core values, and we expect to be measured by all of our teammates in the same way. Mm-hmm. So you know every company can have budgets and every company can have all these things, but we have specific numbers that we're measuring every day to uh, make sure our teammates are you know, achieving what needs to be achieved.
0: With all that, what sort of factors do you use to maybe decide when you're going to expand? You have the, you know, the Wisconsin Sports Awards that you guys uh, are a part of. Um, you have the, the wireless sort of aspect that you've talked about. Maybe you can touch on those specifically a little bit, but what gives you the thought or what's the process of, yeah, this is a way to go or now is the time, that sort of thing?
1: When it would make me sick not to do it, <laughs> that, that's when we do it. Um, you know, the Wisconsin Sports Awards were something that beginning in 2006, I thought the state of Wisconsin needed. I thought there was an opportunity for it. I thought we were the right ones to do it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this whole time I was thinking how do you have a Wisconsin sports awards if you can't get Brett Favre to show up or <laughs> you know, you needed some kind of credibility right. piece to pull it all together and the day we signed Aaron Rodgers uh, to a long-term partnership, I said thank Thank God finally That's we can the deal do it. right there now yeah. now we can do this Wisconsin sports award that this state of Wisconsin deserves because there's just been such unparalleled success at the high school college professional level so that was something that I, I believe there to be an opportunity for that didn't exist that I thought was right for the community. I didn't know what the business uh, opportunity would be for us but with most of these things I believe that if we do the right things if we, serve a need that's out there that eventually we'll figure out the way to turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't sure how to, you know, take houses at Lambeau Field and make that into a business and we're we're still not sure on that. But, you know, we believe that providing a luxury destination entertainment experience mm-hmm. for people outside of the state of Wisconsin to come to Wisconsin to experience Lambeau Field in a Packers game right. is a great thing for everybody. And, you know, going into the wireless business, that was just something that we had experienced the frustration that a lot of people had. You know, it's a, a big part of people's bills. You know, whether it's your personal or your, your business, paying a wireless bill and not feeling like you have someone who's looking out for you, not feeling like you have a trusted advisor walking into a store and feeling like some kid's just selling you whatever he needs to sell you to make a straight commission. We went into that business literally with a mission to change the relationship that people have with their cell phone provider. Mm -hmm. We don't know if long-term that's going to be a good business decision for us, but we're going in and we are providing solutions. We are getting people's bills reduced. We are finding the right devices for them, and they might not be the most profitable ones for us, but what we're going to do is do exactly what we've done for the last 15 years. We're going to be a solutions provider and believe that in the process it will make good business sense to do that.
0: You obviously talked earlier about not looking back, so to speak, in terms of well, what if this doesn't work out? Um, and obviously, it's it's worked great for you. Have you thought about and maybe some of this expansion with what you guys do as part of that? Have you ever thought about looking into different careers or moving on or or anything like that? Or is this? I mean, is this your baby, and you're taking it out to the, the mean, What's kind of your thought process with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's you know, you don't uh, you don't take your dog after 12 years and say, "Oh, <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm ready to move on. Uh, go go back to the kennel." Or you know, you don't take your kid after six or seven years and say, "I'm ready to go on." I mean, this is this is what we do. This mm-hmm. is the fiber of of what we are, and our you know goal and our responsibility is to evolve to do what's best for our team you know we have this amazing group of people who are dedicated toward growing and and toward growing themselves and me to help them grow their families and my responsibility and who i'm accountable for to is them Mm -hmm. so these things that uh, may sound risky to do to me are the farthest thing from it these things are diversifying us to ensure that all of these people who are committed to this company are long-term going to have more and more opportunities for themselves to succeed within what we do. Sure.
0: With the other aspects you touched on now, and not just the radio side, did you believe that that sort of thing was necessary to continue to grow and, and be relevant in the, in the way that if you were just this one-trick pony, so to speak, with the radio side, that Eventually the, the, the sheen would wear off, so to speak. Did you feel it was absolutely necessary to go into that or is it more opportunity and, and seeing that there could be success there?
1: Yeah, I think we are always looking for the right opportunities and also opportunities that we believe could be scalable. Mm. And you know the investment to buy certain assets is more or less than uh, to buy other assets. but what we choose to go into a business has nothing to do with dollars. It has nothing to do with anything other than human capital. Hmm. And if we have people and teammates who we know are ready for a next opportunity, then it's my responsibility to find that next responsibility for them so that they don't feel like they need to go somewhere else to find that next uh, that next challenge. Right. And so that, that helps guide where we go to. I mean, there have been times where we've had great opportunities and we haven't taken them because we didn't have the right person who was ready to run that opportunity. Our growth, comes when our people are ready to grow. You
0: know, we've touched on a number of different areas and, uh, you know, you you say you, you don't have all the answers and, and I appreciate that you uh, uh, understand that we're looking at this from a lot of different angles, but you've proven to have obvious savvy and, and success and abilities in this area, especially just talking about business and entrepreneurship Do you have specific advice that you would give somebody or just a general thought process on it? Maybe something you've taken to heart or in talking with other people or in your experiences that you would lend as maybe a little bit of support or encouragement or or some sort of, like I said, a guide in some way.
1: Yeah, I I think the idea of having a magic, you know, the magic (laughs) bullet or the magic thing doesn't make sense. I think you want to... Think about uh, you know someone. Uh, there's a tech company right now who said they have a Sunday afternoon test, and they say you know if uh, if you would want to go to the office to hang out with this person on a Sunday afternoon, mm. then uh, that's someone you'd want to hire. Mm. A- and I think that is. I mean, one of the things that stands out to me the most is you want to have a team of people that enjoy being around each other and, and want to be together. And you know whether it's uh, technology or a specific advantage that you have, I think eventually every sort of uh, advantage is gonna come back to, to people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the thing that we focus on and that we've learned the most about and uh, learned to prioritize the most over time is finding the right people and giving them the right resources to be able to uh, to grow. Well, it sounded like sound advice to me. So for
0: uh, for those listening, you can take it or leave it. As Craig said, he's not always the best listener when it comes to, to what people uh, let him know as well. So Craig, we do appreciate your time. That that will unfortunately wrap it up here on localjobnetwork.com radio. We've been talking a little business, some sports mixed in there, specifically in terms of the radio's role and also the way uh, Good Karma's branched out a little bit as well. Um, it's been especially apropos to discuss these areas with our guest Craig Karmazin, president and CEO of Good Karma Broadcasting. If people did want to find out, more about yourself or or your company, what you guys do, where would they uh, go for that?
1: They can go to gkbsports.com. Okay. And all the information that they would need is their contacts, that sort of thing? And if uh, they can't figure it out there, then uh, there's many people they can contact. And uh, I know the the scrambled listeners are very savvy. (laughs) Well, thanks again for coming in today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And of course, for all
0: you listeners, please feel free to send us your questions and comments to radio at localjobnetwork.com. You've been locked on to Scrambled Eggs. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.